everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 102, and I'm talking with Kim Conley. Kim is a two-time Olympian. She ran in the 2012 and the 2016 Olympics in the 5K, and I had so much fun talking with Kim. She is sponsored by New Balance. And we talk about both of her experiences at the Olympics in this episode. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but in 2016, she was actually um, planning on going in the 10K and she lost her shoe during that race and decided to step out and compete, put all of her eggs in, in the 5K basket and ended up making that team in the 5k so that was a really cool story we also get um a little bit personal uh with the loss of her father in 2015 where i feel a little bit emotional when she talks about that uh since we recently lost my mother-in-law so i really like it when interviews take a turn that i'm not expecting and um people open up about things that are important to them so this was a special interview with kim and i know you guys are gonna love it Before we get started talking with Kim, I want to thank Kind Snacks for supporting this podcast. I'm sure you guys have tried Kind Bars. I don't know many people who haven't. I usually pick them up at the grocery store, when you're on the go, at the gas station, and you need a quick snack. Well, you guys can try their snack club, which I highly recommend. I'm part of it. Every month, I get two boxes of Kind Snacks shipped to my house. And what you should know about Kind Snacks is they're made in the United States with ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. And both winning chefs and nutritionists love and recommend Kind Bars, and so do I. You guys can get a sample box for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. If you go to kindsnacks.com slash Lindsay, that's kindsnacks.com slash L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and you'll get more information for full details there as well. Check that out, get yourself a sample box free of charge, you just pay shipping, and then you can decide if you wanna commit to getting those kind snacks delivered to your door every month. I'm never disappointed when my box shows up because we're usually running low on groceries and I love them, I eat them all the time, and my kids do too, my kids love them, and I can feel good about giving them that snack. Even Russell eats them, and I know that's kind of weird because he's only 15 months, but I swear he eats those kind snacks, he loves them. And guys, when you support sponsors of this show, you are directly supporting the podcast, so I really appreciate it when people do that. Um, This is how I keep this show running, and I can get a babysitter and uh, do these interviews and keep this show up and running. So I appreciate that. I appreciate my sponsors and I appreciate my listeners. Um, Hey, if you're loving the show, would you head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review? Did you know that since the um, iPhone app has been updated on the podcast app that it's super easy? You can literally go to my show and click those stars and move on your merry way. Of course, I love a review with that. But if you don't have time and you just go over and leave the rating, that would be amazing as well. You've heard me say it a million times, it's one of the best ways potential new listeners find the show. If you guys are looking for more content from me, I have a Patreon page where you can support the show. It's patreon.com slash lindsayhine. And just on Monday this week, I dropped an episode with my husband, Glenn, who is training for the Boston Marathon. He is training to run a 245 this year in Boston. His marathon PR is 249. So he's trying to take a little chunk off that and 
Um, in this Patreon episode, he talks about what he's doing, how he's training for Boston, the different things he's doing to make sure he has a successful day over there. We live in Indianapolis, which is super flat, so he talks about different techniques that he uses to make sure he gets those rolling hills in on his run. We're gonna do follow-up Boston training episodes with him as well over on the Patreon page. And speaking of Boston guys, I am planning a meetup. I will be in Boston to be head cheerleader for my husband and all the amazing women and men running the race. I'm so excited about the women's elite field. But if you're gonna be in Boston, stay tuned. I'm gonna have something posted on something that I'm gonna be doing while we're out there. It'll probably go down on Sunday, the day before the race. So. Stay tuned for that. I'll have it posted up on my website and I'll definitely give you full details on the podcast whenever we get it figured out. All right, you guys, uh, let's go ahead and enjoy this conversation with Kim Conley. So today on the show, we're talking with Kim Conley. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How's your day been so far? It's been good. Normal training day. What does that look like? Normally, it's practice in the morning, um, and then it depends on the day, but Wednesday is usually like I just have one session in the morning, and then in the afternoon, um, I go see my chiropractor, so that's coming up later. So what are you training for right now? Um, I don't have any races on the schedule right now. Um, I've actually, I've been dealing with an injury kind of from end of summer into the fall, um, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping I will be back out there in the spring. What's the injury? Plantar fasciitis. Oh, I, you know, I've actually tore my plantar fascia. Yeah, that, yeah, I have, so I have a tear in there. Oh, it's like the, the, when I, so I had plantar fasciitis forever, and when I actually tore it, I was on a 12-mile run, and it was like two miles to go, and I physically remember when it actually tore, and then my foot got black and blue on the bottom. I mean, I, like, it was so painful. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was awful. So, that's such a nagging injury, though. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right now, you know, with it being kind of the end of the year, like, it's not like track season or anything. I'm just taking the time to just try to get it to heal well. What are you doing with your, like, what are you doing with your physical therapist and stuff to get that healed up? Uh, I'm, right now, I'm in the midst of, like, successive um, shockwave treatments, mm. um, which is, like, shockwave is, like, what they use to break up kidney stones, um, and basically, it's just meant to kind of, like, stir up the body, because it's just, the plantar fascia is an area where there isn't a lot of blood flow, um, so it's just, healing is hard, it's hard to promote healing, so it's just, we're just trying to, like, stir things up and promote healing down there. Well, that's so awesome that you can do that. That's what I always said when I hurt my foot, I was like, if I was actually, you know, like a real professional athlete, I could do all kinds of stuff like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's justified when that's your job. Yep, exactly. So I saw that you were in Chile recently. Yes. What, so were you there with New Balance? Yeah, I was just there for two days. Um, and so like New Balance here in the U.S., they have New Balance Nationals um, at the end of the track season in the spring. And so what they've started, it, it, last year was the first year and this was the second year of it. Um, it's called the New Balance Finals and it's kind of like a Latin American championships down there. How fun was that? It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it was a really cool meet, really, really good atmosphere. Um, just kind of like exciting to see, you know, young athletes from all over Latin America come together and, you know, the, and the, and the pride of, um, getting to drape their country's flag around their shoulders, you know, when they'd podiumed and stuff. Um, and then just like exploring Santiago and, and getting to go to Chile was awesome. 
Oh, I totally pronounced it wrong, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of that, do you speak Spanish? Uh, you, not well. Um, I took a lot of Spanish in school. I feel like I, f I feel pretty comfortable reading and writing in Spanish. Um, but I'm just not confident speaking. Um, but I, I got by. It was all right. Well, I mean, because you had like an Instagram post in Spanish. Did you write that or did you have to like look up <laughs> words? Uh, so my husband and coach is fluent in Spanish. Um, so he helped with that. So is he fluent in Spanish because he majored in it? He, so he, he studied abroad when he was in college in Spain. And then after college, after he graduated, he went to Mexico for a year and a half and worked in an orphanage. So that's when he really immersed himself and, and became fluent. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what everybody says. You can major in it, you can do whatever, but unless you go immerse yourself in the culture, it's going to be really difficult to be totally fluent. Yeah, exactly. And I've done, I've done, I think, three different altitude camps in Mexico during the winter. Um, that's definitely not enough, though. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, so you also, uh, you also posted today, or was it yesterday? You're, you were doing like deadlifts or something. Yeah. So. Tell me about your strength training routine. Do you do that? I mean, do you strength train like three times a week? Uh, twice a week. Um, and the physical therapist I work with is also my strength coach. Um, it's, it's called Kime um, Performance Therapy here in Sacramento. Um, and so it's, it's very like integrated kind of with my specific needs as an athlete. And then, you know, in terms of like injury prevention and rehab and stuff like that, um, it's kind of, yeah, a big integrated model, which I really like. Okay, so that specific lift you posted, though, what was the, what did you call it? The deadlift. Okay, that was a deadlift. Okay, so yeah. I was trying to read up on some basic, easy, short training, strength training I could do um, when I was training for this last marathon, and um, you know everything was pointing towards you should just do some deadlifts. But I'm so mm -hmm. paranoid that I will do them wrong and injure myself or just look like an idiot at the gym. So I'm gonna mm -hmm. have to get some technique classes there. Yeah, I mean. I, yeah, I, I think that's a legitimate concern. I think you, you would want to have somebody, um, watching you or coaching you in it, at least in the beginning. Um, because yeah, I mean, you could injure yourself and especially when running really is the priority and that's kind of like to supplement, totally. um, yeah. you wouldn't want to hurt yourself, you know, doing something else. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it can definitely like augment running, but you want to make sure you're doing it correctly. Okay, so let's talk about your career a little bit and um, running. We're talking to a two-time Olympian here today. That's exciting. <laughs> so you ran in the 2012 and the 2016 Olympics in the 5K. Am I, mm -hmm. am I correct there? That's right. Okay, so 2012 though. Well, actually, let's walk back because you ran in high school um, on a team with Sarah Hall, right? Yeah, that's right. So, and you guys won state in 2000. Yes. I saw that picture you posted. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so then you went to run in college. And UC Davis, that's like a smaller school, right? Or am I totally wrong? Um, so it's it's a big school. It's um, It used to be Division Two for athletics and then transitioned to Division One actually while I was there. So um, it, it's on the young end in terms of being like a division one school. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like a big time athletics program. So why'd you want to go there? You know, uh, so I grew up in Santa Rosa, which is, it was about an hour and a half away from Davis. And so I always, it was always on my radar. Um, and I just loved the atmosphere of the town and students bike everywhere. Actually, everybody in the community bikes everywhere. 
Um, and they had an exercise biology program that I was really interested in. Um, it's a good school. And, um, and then I got offered, you know, a scholarship offer to, to run there. So it was just the right blend um, of kind of like having, having the academic side that I wanted to pursue. And, and then it was a good fit for me on the running front. And so then you were the first athlete there to qualify for the NCAA Division One Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Tell me about that. Yeah, so basically my first three years there, we were ineligible for any postseason competition. So I redshirted one of those years, and then my fourth year was my first year running at the regional meet. Um, it was definitely a, a shock. I, I wasn't really prepared. <laughs> I mean, having missed those first three years of experience, um, but, but came back the, the next year and, and got it done. And you still hold the school record in the 5k? No. Um, yeah, it's, it's been broken since, since I left actually. So that my first, um, my first few years out of college, I was coaching there, uh, with Drew, who's, who's my husband now. Um, and he, he formerly was the, the director of cross country and track there. Um, and so we had an athlete. Oh, wait, actually, we had several athletes run faster than I ran while I was there, so I, I don't even know where I would stand on the all-time list now. So how does that feel, though, to coach athletes that are kind of following in your footsteps and running the same race that you did and beating your times? What's that like? Um, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was just, you know, I felt like it had kind of been a long time coming for, for the program. You know, it was um, a little bit of a slow start when we went through that transition, um, but it felt good to kind of, like, to, to stay close to the program and, and help kind of like see it through and, and help the program evolve kind of where to the stage I thought we were capable of performing on. Okay, so then walk me through that though, because you, you graduate, you're coaching, you're turning into a professional athlete, you end up getting married to your coach. Like what is life, or your former coach, what does life look like in that time period, like after coaching to professional? Yeah, um, so... So I graduated in 2009, um, and I was coaching, and but um, really, I wanted to pursue running. You know, I, I felt like I had unfinished business. Um, you know, I knew I just hadn't fulfilled my pot potential while I was in college, and so I wanted to keep going. When I first graduated, the big thing was I was just, I was annoyed that I hadn't broken 16 in the 5,000, um, so that was kind of the big goal out there, and I did that my first year out of college, um, and then, you know, I think... Be partly because I was coaching, I really, I became like a student of the sport and, um, I just, I really embraced the principles behind the training and why I was doing what I was doing. And I just became like a much better athlete in terms of kind of like focus and discipline and, and being purposeful in my approach. Um, and so things really started taking off for me. And so I, you know, I got through that 16 minute barrier and then, um, you know, I just kept PRing all the time and, and never would like these huge, crazy breakthroughs, maybe just like 10 seconds at a time, but you know, after, after a while, 10 seconds at a time really starts to add up. Um, and so by, by 2012, I had actually lowered my PR down to 1524. And all of a sudden I was five seconds off the, the, the Olympic standard. Um, and so that's when, you know, I went to the trials and, and I knew that, you know, just another little jump and I, and I'd have the standard. And I started to think like, maybe I could also finish in the top three at the Olympic trials. And so, it was really just in those months right before the Olympic trials that I suddenly started to think like, you know, my goal originally had been just to be at the Olympic trials. And I was like, what if I could make this team? Oh, wow. And then I did. And, and that's when I signed a contract with New Balance. Um, and, and in that, in that time period, I'd stepped back from coaching. I'd kind of gone into a volunteer role um, just so that I could focus on, on trying to make it. 
So, I mean, you really had, like, a solid three years in there before things really took off. I mean, you got your sponsorship with New Balance and everything after you graduated. Um, yeah. Well, so, yeah, I signed with New Balance in 2012 after, after the Olympic trials. Okay, so you got third, and that's, like, is that, like, the ic- iconic picture where you're looking at the screen, you're so excited? <laughs> yes. That picture is incredible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you... To everybody listening, she got third place, and didn't you beat the standard by, like, 0.2 seconds or something? Yeah, I I got third place by 0.04 seconds, and I was under the standard by 0.21 seconds. It it really just came down to a lean at the line. So, I mean, you're going into the – you were originally going into the race thinking, oh, man, I want to be at the trials. That's cool. And then you decide, "Um, I think I could be top three. What if I – you know, what if I actually make this Olympic team – when did when did you feel like oh that's that's a reality like that could be real life for me? Um, I think so. It was in April of that year at Mount Sac when I ran fifteen twenty four, and so it was after that race that I started feeling like you know I I definitely have five more seconds in me, and and I'd look kind of historically at what it takes to make the Olympic team, and I knew that um, if I could run the standard in that race, then that would be like right around a top three finish. Uh, and so I just felt like, man, like I just have to make sure it's not too tactical of a race. And, um, you know, if I, if I give myself a shot to run the time, then I'm going to give myself a shot to be on the podium as well. So then you ran in the 2016 Olympics as as well. And also in the 5k, you have to remind me you Shelby Houlihan, you, and who was the third person? Uh, Abby D'Agostino. Oh, okay. For some reason I was thinking she was just at the trials. She was actually in Rio. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, but you were going to go, you were going to try to go in the 10 K as well. And you lost your shoe in the race at the trials. Yeah. Um, that, that was a long week. So the 10,000, you know, after, after making the team in 2012 and the 5,000, for whatever reason, I just had it in my head that I was going to win the Olympic trials in the 10,000 2016. Like that was this big goal I had basically for four years. Um, and I'd kind of structured the entire Olympic cycle around like how to put myself in the best position to do that. Um, you know, so in 2014, I, I won the U S title in 10,000. That was like a really exciting moment in my career. And then, um, I expanded my range up to the half marathon and I ran my first half marathon in Houston, 2015. And and I won that, and that was the U S championships. And so I felt like I was really like everything was going according to plan. Like exactly. I was kind of like checking the boxes that I really felt like I needed to check. Um, and, and then in the race, like about three miles in, um, it was just, it was such a hot day that everybody was just really bunched together. You know, it was just like a kind of a tactical race, um, which, you know, from a racing standpoint, that would have been fine. I was totally fine with that approach, but I didn't anticipate how like bunched up we'd all be, um, so there was just a lot of jostling and, um, you know, which is just part of racing. Um, I don't, you know, I don't bear any ill will towards anybody or anything like that. It's just kind of the way it is. Um, but I, I kind of got cut off. And so then I cut off somebody else and she stepped on me from behind and my shoe came off. Um, so it was just like, it was just one of those really unfortunate moments. There's nothing you can do about it other than like, you know, try to stay calm. And, you know, I sat down on the track, put my shoe back on and then, tried to be really measured about my approach to, to reel people back in. Um, and I ran to about five miles and then I just knew that the, I'd caught a lot of people, but the, like the top pack, they were, they were 
they were starting to roll and I could see them kind of getting away from me. Um, and so I made a very difficult decision to step off the track and focus on the 5,000 because luckily I had the 5,000 standard as well. Um, but it was not, it was not an easy decision to make at all. Um, and then the 5,000 was the, the first round. I, it was almost a week later. So in a good way, I had a lot of time to recover, but a bad way, I had a lot of time to think. Mm. Um, and so sure. it was just a long week of, you know, cause I just really had believed I would make the team in the 10,000 and I planned to, to leave the trials and go to altitude and get, be getting ready for Rio already. And so it was just like changing all my plans um, and just trying to stay kind of in a positive mindset. And, and I just got to, had to keep reminding myself that I didn't have a bad race that, you know, it was just kind of like bad luck. Um, but that I was still a good enough athlete to, to make the team in the 5,000. You know, a couple of things I'm thinking of as you're telling this story is like, I think as, um, kind of just average athletes, you know, recreational runners that a lot of people listening to this podcast are, we forget how like, uh, gritty and like kind of like elbow to elbow you guys are on the track even in the 10k yeah <laughs> and it's interesting because I um I've had one of your teammates on the show Brenda Martinez and it's like the same thing like she had the fall in the 800 and mm -hmm. then went back and went in the 15 and it's like you guys had that time to you both had it's almost like you had this have you guys talked about this Oh man, we checked each other that whole week. We were, yeah, we were kind of each other's support team. Yeah, I mean, it's like the same thing in a in a way, in a little bit, you know. Yep. Mm. Are you guys really close with all your New Balance teammates? Um, yes, I would say, yeah. Like out of all the athletes on the circuit, I I, I get to know the New Balance ones the best, just because there's the most opportunities for overlap, you know, at different events and whatnot. Um, and then particularly Brenda, like in 2013 we were roommates um in moscow for the world championships and for the team usa camp in austria before that so we, we've spent a lot of time together and we were also she went to uc riverside and i went to uc davis we were in the same conference um kind of you know from those not you know two schools that weren't didn't have like big division one programs so um yeah we kind of we kind of share a similar path in some ways california girls living in that perfect weather over there <laughs> yes so you're you were kind of like hoping and and you focusing on the 10k there so you had to make the mental switch to the 5k for for the trials and and you got third um is is the 10k a, a distance now though didn't you recently just pr in the 10k yeah i did um yeah i pr'd at peyton jordan this last year in the 10,000 so are you kind of moving towards focusing on the longer distance there yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I also want to move up to the marathon. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess what remains un, unknown is if, if I'll be the type of athlete, you know, like, like a Shalane that can, can do both um, well and at a high level. Um, you know, if I can maintain enough speed to, to do some stuff on the track still, I will. Um, but, but I do want to kind of develop that, the endurance side and, and be more, a little bit more road focused. Okay, well, that's a really good uh, transition because I was going to go there because you <laughs> you tweeted today. I watched the efforts of two athletes that I believe in. My spirits are lifted and I'm motivated for what's ahead. Now, when I read that, I thought, "Ooh, what does that mean? Is she going to run a marathon soon?" Uh, but let's let's backtrack a little bit because you did run the New York City Marathon um, just 11 weeks after Rio in 2016. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I made my debut in New York last year. 
Um, and so I came back from Rio, went straight up to Flagstaff, um, and began my prep. And I had such a great buildup and I really, really loved it. I loved the long runs. I loved the long workouts. Um, I loved everything about it. And then I raced like a total rookie. And, um, you know, a lot of people warned me that New York might not be the best place for me to debut because, um, it's its own challenge beyond, beyond the 26.2. I mean, it's, it's a hard course. Um, but I, you know, I think like a lot of athletes, I I was stubborn and and thought I knew myself better than anybody else did. And, you know, like Shalane and Molly and, and Kara and Dina, they all debuted in New York and debuted really well. So I wanted to hold myself to that standard. (laughs) Sure. Um, but it was so humbling. Um, you know, I just got caught up racing in the first like 10 miles. I I was just, I was in the lead pack and then I'd get dropped a little, but then they kind of come back. So I just like surge up and get to them. And I was allowing myself to just run like 10 seconds per mile faster than, than my goal pace. Um, I don't know. You know, at the time it didn't seem like that big a deal to do, to, to make that choice, but, um, I paid for it dearly. I mean, I I was toast by 15 miles, um, and just kind of stubbornly got myself to central park and to the finish line. Isn't that so hard? And I mean, what did you say? 15 seconds per 10 seconds per mile? That's yeah. It. Yeah. And I mean, at the speed that you guys are running, it, that is a lot. Yeah. It seemed like it by the end for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and after the fact, you said it's the hardest race you've ever run. Does that still stand true? Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and you said you didn't want to rush into another one, but now that, uh, you know, a year has passed. I'm sure you just, obviously, you just watched the race, uh, the New York City Marathon, and, you know, we saw Shalane win and everything. Um, did that kind of excite you to go at it again? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know where I'll run my next one, um, but I, I think first I need to, to conquer the distance, um, and then one day I want to go back to New York and conquer New York. Okay, so you want to do it somewhere else first. I think, yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Do you think that you'll do it at one of the big major uh, races, though, for the competition factor? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, I think I'll leave that in the hands of my agent and just, you know, she's she does a really, Karen Locke, she does a really good job of kind of, like, guiding the process for me, and um, I feel like... When I when I put scheduling in her hands, um, I, my best races always end up being the ones that she's thought of that I didn't that didn't even occur to me. So um, she just has she's a a really good sense of of what's going to be right for me. Well, I mean, you you when you ran the uh, half marathon in Houston that you mentioned, I mean, you ran a one oh nine. That indicates a really fast marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's what I tell myself too, but. Um, Man, it was a completely different beast. Yeah, I've been, I, in a different way, I've been on the struggle bus on the second half of a marathon, and it is not <laughs> fun. Yeah. It was like, what am I doing? And then, you know, and I'm sure for you, I mean, because I always think about this with you guys, with um, elite runners, you know, when I am when I have that experience in a marathon, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, whatever, I'm just going to finish because, you know, I'm even if I'm falling off and I'm having a bad day, I'm finishing this race, but when you're doing this for your job I mean you have to make the decision like you did with the 10k it's like is this worth it you know for my body? right so, right so yeah what, what made you decide to to not drop um I think partly because it was the first one I just 
I didn't want I didn't want the like experience to be a DNF and and be left for a year or more as it turns out wondering um you know I think I just would have let too many doubts set in like am I even capable of running a marathon and it's like you know even though it didn't go well and even though there are a lot of things you know I've taken away that I'm going to do differently next time at least um I know that I can I can cover the distance um and then on top of that it's you know it was the end of a really long season and a long year um and so there was nothing there was nothing left to do anyway and you know I, I can understand when an athlete uh, you know if something goes wrong and they're they're like not deep enough into that marathon yet that they've really cost themselves like another race and so if they need to pull out then and and they can do a marathon like a month later like maybe that's a prudent decision but for me in New York um you know, I just needed to finish that day for myself. So, yeah, looking back then, do you wonder, like, was it just too much? Like, maybe your training was really solid and your build was fun and it was awesome, but by the time you got to race day after competing in the Olympics and everything, would you think that your body was also done or was it just you went out too hard? Uh, you know, that's that's a debate that Drew and I have. Um, I think he, he feels like, you know, just because – you know, we're good at like blaming ourselves in different ways. I think, you know, he as a coach feels like that um, maybe we did too much and, and he, you know, he could have done structured things a little bit differently to have a little more gas in the tank. And, um, you know, I, I feel a lot of responsibility just for the way I raced and my impatience out there. Um, and yeah, I think there's something to the year also that, um, you know, with it being an Olympic year and then the New York marathon being such a big event in and of itself and, it being my debut marathon, which is a really big undertaking as well. Like that was all a lot to do in a short time frame. Um, and you know, maybe it, it would have made sense to, to have it be its own special event. Yeah. So, I mean, I talked to a lot of athletes whose husbands coach them and I always love to ask the question, um, because my husband runs with me and he kind of coaches me a little bit too, just like, you know, for fun. But what's that, what's that like, you know, cause is he going out on your runs with you? Is he, and then at home, are you constantly talking about it? <laughs> yeah, we spend a lot of time together, but, um, <laughs> but we love it. And, um, you know, I don't know. I know like, you know, I think probably it's a little bit unique to every relationship, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. Um, but for us, you know, like I live and breathe this. Um, and so I, I actually can't imagine being coached by anybody else because, you know, I, I, I feel really lucky that I have someone on my team that that's willing to, to ride all the waves of it and, and be, you know, a hundred percent invested, um, for it all 24 seven basically. And, and, and that's the way I want to approach my career. And, um, and he approaches it that way too. And so, you know, we see ourselves as a team and, and that applies to my career and it applies to life as well. Hey everybody, before we continue my conversation with Kim, I want to jump in and thank Four Sigmatic for supporting this podcast episode. Four Sigmatic makes eating and drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do with their coffees and their elixirs and their superfood blends. Hello, I just went to their website on it right now and they have a new mocha mix. That is next on my list to try. I have not tried the mocha mix yet. It's a mocha mix with chaga, which you've heard me talk about. The chaga elixir is my favorite. So that might be a good starting place for you guys. We use, Glenn and I use the superfood blends in our morning juice every single day. I'm not kidding, we don't miss a day. 
and I drink the Chaga Elixir in the afternoons, and Glenn does too, actually, as well as the Cordyceps Elixir. Four Sigmatic also sells tins for at-home use and single-serving packets, which are convenient to carry and share. You guys, the single-serving packets are super simple. I just dump the packet into hot water, mix it up, and voila, there you go. And what tastes even better sometimes, if you're not a straight coffee drinker, is mixing that with a little bit of milk or mixing it into smoothies or shakes to give you a little bit of an energy kick there. Go to foursigmatic.com slash another, that's F-O-U-R, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash another and use the code another to get 15% off your order. I'd love to hear what you think about it. I'll have the link to that in the show notes. And when you support a sponsor of this show, you are supporting this podcast. So for that, I thank you. That's foursigmatic.com slash another. Use the code another to get 15% off your order. Go get some shrooms, people. All right, let's continue my conversation with Kim. Well, I can't even, you can't, I know you probably can't even um, say what you think you might try to run in, what is it, 2020, the next Olympics, but do you have any inkling of what distance you might be training for at that time? And if you'll try to make it another Olympic team, I mean, three teams, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely the goal is, is to make that third team. And, you know, I've, I'd always thought it would be the marathon. Um, but, you know, at this stage, having New York last year go the way it went, I feel like I first I just have to run a good marathon um, before I can really put that out there. Um, and then and then I guess we'll yeah, we'll go from there. Um, it, it could be the 10,000. It could be the marathon, but definitely we'll be trying to make the team in 2020. Okay, so here's a random, no, no, this isn't a random question, but here's just like a broad question for you. What's your favorite thing about running? Oh, you know, I just love the afterglow of, of a hard effort. Um, so particularly racing, I love, I love battling, I love the competition. My favorite races are the ones where, um, you know, it comes down to a sprint fin- finish, but both to watch, but, but definitely to compete in. I love um yeah, I love that feeling of just being like in the thick of competition. Um, but I also, I also really enjoy the the process of training, and and I love just that feeling of satisfaction after a solid effort. So you don't get nervous about those neck and neck finishes? Um, no, I, <clears throat> I think I, I think I trust my ability to finish well, and so, um, yeah, I, I get nervous like that I can't let it go. You know, before then, I can't let somebody get away from me. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I always hope to be there at the end of the race. Are you known, are you known as an interviewer? I should know the answer to this, but, um, admittedly I don't, are you known to close faster or do you need to, um, be kind of in front before the end of that dead sprint? You know, I have a nose for the line and I don't, I don't know how that works sometimes because I'm not that fast really when it comes to like sprint finish or just sprinting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something different about competing that, um, that if I'm right there and I see the finish line, then I can rise up. All right. So people, I always ask people what they, um, when you're in the heart of training, what do you peak your mileage at usually? So say you're training for five, 10 K in between there somewhere. Yeah. Um, between 90 and a hundred. Um, and then, you know, when I did the marathon buildup, it got up higher than that. 
Um, but I would, yeah, I would say my sweet spot is right around a hundred. I, I feel really fit and really good when I'm, when I can hit a hundred mile weeks. And when you're training for that five and 10 K and you're doing hundred mile weeks, what's the longest run that you do at one time? Usually two hours, um, to try to get like 19 miles in there. Okay, man. That's marathon, that's marathon training for most of us. Actually, that's more, more, more than marathon training with 90 to 100 miles. Okay, so who's one of the most influential people uh, in your life as far as running goes and then just life in general? And these can be two different people. Yeah, I think um, my husband, Drew. He's, you know, my husband coach. And um, I just feel like my career really transformed after he came into my life. Um, and I just – he's just – I just feel like he's really brought out the best in me um, as an athlete, for sure, um, in, in, in my approach. But, um, you know, also just kind of like in in life. And I kind of joke with him that I wish he'd come in sooner, like while I was in school, because I think I would have been a better student as well. Like he's just he's just made me kind of like a better version of myself. I mean, he was working at an orphanage in, <laughs> in another country, so he's obviously a really good person. <laughs> But ha so how did that, so, so you say your husband drew, so when did you guys, when did you get married then? We got married in 2015. Oh, so you're like kind of newlywed still. Yeah. Yeah. What about your parents? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they've just, they were, so my, my dad, um, actually passed away in 2015. Um, but man, he was the biggest supporter of my career and he he absolutely loved um you know that I was an athlete and actually um he he was really sick and our, so his his last words to me um before he died were uh train hard win races and make me proud and that that I I think about that all the time um anytime anything is hard that you know it's like that that's what made him so proud um, was for me to be able to do this. And, um, and so I kind of like, I drive a lot of, uh, draw a lot of inspiration, um, from, from working hard and, and competing well. That's a lot. 2015. Yeah. Um, we just recently lost my mother-in-law. So I'm just thinking about like the, I mean, the emotional, um, trauma that you're walking through when you lose a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the year before um, Rio and and all that, how did you um, how did you walk through that, and what what got you through it? Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, I mean, sometimes now, well, one of the questions you sent me was, "What's your proudest accomplishment?" And um, now I'm going to answer it before you even ask sure. it. So sorry about that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so it, it had me thinking. Um, you know, it's definitely making that team in 2016, even even though 2012 was so exciting and, um, you know, it was such a shock to the world. I, I just think in 2015, I was injured. I missed the track season, you know, and so everything had been going so well, like I talked about earlier. You know, I'd, I'd won that national title. I'd run a good first half marathon. And I just felt like everything was clicking. Um, and then I got hurt. And then my dad got sick and then he passed away and 2015 was just a terrible year. And it, it really kind of killed my momentum going into 2016. Um, but, um, you know, relying, you know, relying kind of on that support network of, you know, family and, and especially my husband. And then I have like a, a really good sports psychologist, Paul Solitsky, that, um, he's actually at UC Davis. So of, of everybody on my team, he's, he's the one I've been working with, um, for, for the longest. 
Um, and so it was, you know, it was just really nice to have kind of these people in my life that, that I could lean on, um, and that kind of helped, we, we all kind of helped each other through that time. Um, and then, and then I made the Olympic trials and, and making that team about, well, and then obviously the whole shoe thing happened. And so it was just, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was just, it was just all very trying, but, but the, the triumph of, of getting third in that 5,000, um, Oh, it was so sweet, you know, just to be able to celebrate that moment, especially with my mom, um, that it was like, we did it and we're going to Rio. I was going to say, was your mom there? Oh yeah, she was there. Oh. Were your parents married? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were married for 30 years. Oh man, that is so tough. And was that, I mean, were you kind of walking through that publicly though? Because, you know, you're in the spotlight, you're a professional athlete. Did people know what was going on? Um, you know, I, I did post when my dad died. Um, but I didn't like, I I wouldn't say grieved publicly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, I I don't know. I I don't have that in me. (laughs) It's not your style. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's your proudest moment on the track. What's your proudest moment off the track? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I mean, my life is very um, attached to the track, so this won't be, like, I wasn't on the track, but I'm I'm still going to, so I'm going to count it, (laughs) even though the track's involved. It counts. Um, But when when Kate Grace, who was formerly my training partner, when she won the Olympic trials in 2016 and made that team that... um, that that moment was so exhilarating. I, w- I would say it rivaled making the team myself in 2012. Um, you know, I just been I'd been really invested in her, and um, and you know, she she was kind of a part of what like helped me through that whole time. Um, you know, just like getting myself ready for 2016 to kind of share that journey with her. Um, and, and so to, to see her triumph in that moment and, and win the Olympic trials and make her first Olympic team. Um, it was just, it was very sweet. I didn't know that you trained with Kate Grace. Yeah. So we, um, so in 2014, Drew left Davis and we formed the NorCal Distance Project. Um, and then she joined us in the summer of 2015. So, um, so we had a year together, um, before the trials in 2016. Man, and she went from Wazell to Nike. Yes, that that happened while she was with us. Okay, I'm like, that's a big switch. (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's going on with the North North Cal Distance Project? I thought I saw something about that. Is it not happening anymore? Yeah. um, So there were seven of us, and um, basically... Uh, like several members left all for completely different reasons one one retired um you know one decided not to run at a professional level anymore kate decided to join the bowerman track club um and so it was kind of like you know things started to splinter and um eventually we decided the the best decision was um to let to let the, the athletes that were left kind of like go go to different situations that might be better for them so what's your situation going to be Right now, we, Drew and I are still in Sacramento. Um, basically, you know, I mean, like, I've been dealing with the injury, um, and so we're kind of taking inventory and, and going to figure out what's what's next um, kind of for 2018 and beyond. So I wanted, to, I wanted to go the direction of body image a little bit, too. 
I feel like, who was it? My friend Ashley. I always text my girlfriends before these conversations. Like, I'm interviewing this person today. And she said that one time there was a commentator that made some comment when you crossed the finish line that you didn't have, like, the typical <laughs> body of a distance runner. Like, what? How do, tell me, tell me your feelings and your thoughts on this kind of thing. Um, man, I think I used to be a little bit more insecure about it. Um, and I don't know, you know, if it's just like age or or experience, I, 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 it doesn't bother me at all anymore. Um, you know, and I think I've just, I guess over time I've developed a mindset that it's, it's doesn't matter what my body looks like. It's about what my body does, you know, at the end of the day, it's about results. Um, you know, I, I also get insecure when P when I feel like people judge the way I train, um, you know, that and maybe that sounds weird, but when we, when like every professional runner flocks to somewhere like Flagstaff, you can't help but kind of like see what other people are doing. And, um, yeah, that's what I just always remind myself. Like the only thing worth judging is the results on race day. So I, I just don't worry about what other people think uh, along the way. Well, my first thought is when I look at at your body, I think that you look really strong. Um, But second of all, I have to say um, your comment on the age, it resonates with me a lot because um, I'm 34 and I've had three babies. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'll go out running in my sports bra when it's weather, sports bra weather, and I just don't care, you know, what's going on Mm -hmm. in, in the the belly region and it doesn't look like it did 10 years ago or five years ago before babies. Um, but I do think, uh, and, and I'm someone who hasn't struggled with body image to the extent of a lot of people, but I do think that even seven years ago, um, I would have been real self-conscious about what I looked like running in a sports bra. I would have like looked at myself in the mirror to say like, does this look okay? And now I just, Mm -hmm. I just don't care. And so, I mean, do you think it's age? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, or, or life experience. Like, I mean, I think maybe you kind of like develop just like a comfort or security over time. I don't know. Um, I mean, there are moments, you know, like, cause you know, my husband takes pictures cause we're always trying to like generate content for social media. And, and I still have days where I'll look at a picture and be like, you know, I, I really don't like the way any of these look. I don't want to post any. And, and that's okay. I mean, I think that's also come, um, in time, like for myself and, and then my comfort and kind of communicating something like that to him that, you know, it, it it's okay. Like I can just tell him like, I, I don't like the way these look. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you mentioning the content for social media because man, it's a game, right? And you, you have, <laughs> you don't just like naturally have these like pictures of you perfectly running with this beautiful stride down the track. Like you have to kind of like make sure someone is taking those pictures. Yeah. Um, but you did mention the, the comparison with the training and, and I never thought about that, that other athletes, professional athletes, like, um, looking at how you train. And so then, and you also look at how they train. Um, what is that? What is that like? What is that experience like? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you know, cause there are different ways to skin a cat. And so, you know, there are. There are athletes that do three workouts a week and in between they're running really easy. And, um, you know, I've always done two workouts a week and, and some of those other runs, especially like the long run, like I keep it really honest. And, um, 
Yeah, I think Does that mean you run you know, it faster? Yes. Okay. <laughs> how, how fast is that? Um, oh, so, like, yeah, so, like, when I said, like, 19 miles in two hours, that's 620 pace. Whoa, um, that is fast. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's not, like, it's not, like, a recovery run. Yeah. Um, you know, I keep it, yeah, it, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a harder effort, not, not as hard as, as a workout, but, um, it's a harder effort, and, yeah, I just think that, that, you know, there are some people that, I don't know, some, some people get kind of, like, set in their ways, um, and I don't know, they, you know, they, or they feel like their way is the right way to do it or whatever. And, and that's okay as long as it works for them. Um, but I think you just have to feel confident in what you're doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just because the faster long runs work really well for you doesn't mean that it, it mm-hmm. will for someone else and vice versa. Like you might not need that extra recovery on those days while someone else does. Um, right. When you're doing 620 pace for 19 miles, uh, are you fueling at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I carry a bottle when I did the marathon buildup, we actually like, we did more like circuits and set up tables to practice the bottle grabs. Um, but yeah, I always take gels and have fluid with me. Okay. Let's get on to our end of the podcast questions. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Um, okay. So what's one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? Uh, I want to break 2.30 in the marathon so bad. Um, so, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, uh, I think I need to conquer the distance first. Um, but, yeah, I think being able to run under 2.30 is, is something I definitely want to get done in my career. Well, the 109 predicts it, right? <laughs> Thank you, yes. It totally does. Um, okay, so we already talked about what's an accomplishment you're most proud of. I think that's a pretty pretty special thing to be proud of, too. Thank you. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, who would it be? Oh, can this be um, anybody like in history? Sure. Oh, great. Okay, <laughs> definitely <laughs> Queen Elizabeth the um, first. I, I I love history, and but I just think she must have been such a remarkable woman um, to to reign as long as she did, and 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 to be a woman, you know, at, at that time period in history, um, but to be as well respected as she was, um, yeah, I just think she's fascinating. That is not. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> I was just listening to. Do you listen to podcasts ever? Um, pretty rarely. Okay. Well. Oprah has a podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, Elizabeth Gilbert is her most recent guest. And they were just talking about how they are really the first generation of women that, um, you know, had leadership roles and things like that. And, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there's always someone who was defying the odds. But um, it just made me think of that episode. I'm halfway through it right now, and it's really good. So put, put Oprah's podcast on your list. Okay, good to know. <laughs> I always joke that I'm constantly pimping out Oprah's podcast, and I'm like, like she needs me marketing her podcast. <laughs> She's got plenty of uh, of people doing that for her, uh, but it's just so good. You have to listen to it; it's so good. Um, if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? Uh, you know, I think it's it's do what you love, um, because I think that. If you're if you're doing something that's rooted in love, 
you're you're gonna you're gonna do it well you're gonna work hard you know all all the things that make you successful the the hard work the discipline the commitment like that comes so naturally when you um you know when it when it comes from a place of 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 really wanting to do it anyway um and and i just think you're happier and when you're happier you make other people around you happier and then the world is a better place and so that's how you feel about running Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have a morning where you wake up thinking, man, I don't really want to run today? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's bad timing to ask me that question oh, because no? I, ha- I haven't been running. So um, I, I, can't rem- I can't imagine ever <laughs> that I've ever felt that way. <laughs> but I, I know I have. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and it's true, too. Do what you love. I mean, I, um, I stay home with my three kids for most days of the week, but uh, two days a week now, it recently moved from one to two um Mm -hmm. I do do this podcast and and stuff around that business and man when I on those days I wake up in the morning and I'm just like whoa this is the best day ever because I enjoy it yeah exactly that's that I think is the best thing to have in life is doing something that when you wake up in the morning you just like can't wait to get out of bed and get going yeah totally totally true uh what are you loving right now oh um coob is, what is it? Uh, Coob. It's like a. It's a British lawn game. I think it's actually like a Viking origin originally. Um, and so you know, it's just for fun. Um, but man, it's so fun. I love it. You um, you have like these wooden blocks and a wooden king in the middle of a pitch, and then you have these sticks, and you're like throwing them and trying to knock them over. And um, there's a little bit of strategy to it, and uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. You guys play that on your evenings after after your workouts. <laughs> In your backyard. Yeah, the, the the days are a little short now, um, which is unfortunate, but yeah. <laughs> hey, I meant to ask you, did you guys, were you guys affected at all by the fires? Yeah. Um, so, so I grew up in Santa Rosa. Yeah. Um, and so my mom's house, it, it was saved. The neighborhood was saved, but it was under immediately, immediate threat for, for days. They actually, um, they had firefighters like at the, at the line of the neighborhood, like fighting the fire. Um, and so she was here and then my sister and brother-in-law and their seven month old and their two dogs, they were all here. Um, so we were a big, big house for, for 10 days. Oh my gosh. How big is your house? Was it, was it tight? Um, you know, I felt like the house accommodated everybody really well. It's, it's three bedrooms, two bath. Um, and, and so it worked and, um, it was, it was kind of fun in a, you know, in a weird way, like when you ignore the stress of the you know, the house maybe, you know, potentially being gone. Um, but, but we, it just felt really good kind of in a stressful time to, to all be in each other's company. All right. So is your, uh, the seven month old, is it a boy or a girl? It's a girl. That part was really fun. Yeah. I was going to say, is that your first, uh, is that your first niece or nephew? Yep. My first niece. Oh, and how far away from you guys do they live? Uh, that's two hours away. Okay. And that's where your mom lives too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that is really special. I remember when my first niece was born and it was just like, I felt like, you know, it's until I became a mom, I didn't know. But at that point I was like, this is, feels to me like the closest thing to being a mom, just as far as the love that I felt for her. The love. Yeah, exactly. And, and now that I have kids of my own, I still think that that was the closest thing um, to feeling the love for my own kids. Cause it's like my, my own blood, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I know. Is this your brother or your sister's child? Uh, my sister's. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't have any brothers, but I almost feel like even more so if it's your sister's child. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> I about, could see that. Something about girls. 
what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, um, I read a lot. So right now, what I'm reading is called When Christ and His Saints Slept. I love historical fiction. Okay. Um, so this takes place in the 12th century, and um, it's kind of about um, Maud, who is like supposed to be the Queen of England, um, but her cousin kind of usurped the throne from her, and so they're at war. I yeah, I don't know. I'm into that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, so what's it called again? When Christ and His Saints Slept. When Christ and his saints wept or slept? Slept. Slept. Okay. Do you guys watch any shows? Yeah. Um, I love that. Everybody's always like, no, I don't really watch TV. But then they come out and tell me that they have Netflix and Hulu. And I'm like, that means you watch TV. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what what I watch. So I just finished Mindhunter, which was really good. Um, And getting excited for Peaky Blinders, the third season, to come out uh, in a couple weeks. My husband just watched Mine Hunters. So I think it would terrify me. Oh, uh, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's raving about it for sure. It's not like it's not tense. It's not scary. Yeah. Does your husband watch it with you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you? What's your favorite? Like, your feet up watching a show. Like, do you have like a go-to beverage, or do you drink wine or anything during your training? Um. Yeah, in moderation, I'll have like a little bit with dinner. Yeah. Um, but when we're when we're watching our show, um, usually tea. Okay. Who are your favorite people to follow on social media? Oh, um, well, on Instagram, my favorite. This might seem a little nerdy, but um, my favorite is Wildlife Planet. Um, I just. I love their pictures of animals, and I love lions, and they, they do a lot of posts with lions. Just really cool pictures. Um, but that's not a person, so I'll keep yeah, going. That's okay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I really like following sports scientists, so like Trent Stellingworth, um, Keith Barr, and um, Jan Lemur does really good infographics that like break down like the latest studies. Um, so, so those are really interesting. And then... Um, for like the, you know, fellow professional athletes, doses of inspiration. Um, I love Meb. He's definitely one of my heroes. Um, uh, you know, like we talked about Brenda already, but I think she does a really good job with social media. And I, um, I, you know, I always like get a little inspired by, by the things she puts out there. Um, and then I think Desi, Desi probably most frequently has tweets and I don't even know Desi very well at all. Um, but she, I would say she most frequently has the tweets that actually make me laugh out loud. Yeah, she has some funny tweets, for sure. Yeah? (laughs) Yes, for sure. Um, What I love about Brenda, too, is one thing she said on this podcast was, uh, if you show up to the start line happy, like, you're going to have a good race. Or, I mean, you're going to feel good. You're not going to feel so nervous. Just Mm -hmm. be happy. And she always talked about, like, how she made sure to uh, distract herself uh, by reading and doing other meaningful things that weren't just running, and that's kind of how she kept... Uh, everything in in line in check. Mm-hmm. She had some good advice. Nice. I'm trying to think if I had any other New Balance athletes on the show. Sarah Brown, she's been on. Oh, nice. Yeah, you might be the. I think that those are the three. Um, okay, so do you have any non favorite nonprofits you like to support? Um, I like supporting the um, the local, the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services. Um, they just do a really good job of kind of like helping those in need in the community. Um, so like I'll often send like 
like New Balance, like at the holiday time, they kind of have this tradition of um, letting us donate uh, new shoes to a charity of our choice. So I often go to them and then um, I periodically like purge my closet because we get clothes so often um, that I, you know, I try to wear like whatever is like brand new and the latest from New Balance and so if something's like a year old but I've barely worn it or you know I don't like to admit but in some cases never actually got to wear it um, <laughs> then uh, then I'll send it that way so one last question when your running career's over what do you want to do uh, you know, I I really loved coaching when I was at Davis, and I loved coaching with Drew. Um, I felt like we were a good team, and so uh, I'm hoping that we can kind of, like, keep our careers tied together in, in that direction in the long term. Well, that makes sense. That'll yeah. Be, that, that'll be easy to accomplish, seeing that's how <laughs> you, you live together and you're married, and <laughs> you can just continue to talk about running and, and live and breathe it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, Kim, I am going to have my eyes set on uh, when you run that next marathon. Cool. Thank you. And, um, yeah, good luck. Good luck with the rest of the year and in 2018. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for talking to me today. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, Kim, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Loved talking to you. Thank you, Kind Snacks and for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast. You guys can go to kindsnacks.com slash Lindsay to get yourself a sample box free of charge. All you have to do is pay shipping. And head over to For Sigmatic and check out the mushroom coffee that I've been telling you about and the elixirs and the superfood blends and all that good stuff for your immunity. Go to forsigmatic.com slash another. Use the code another to get 15% off your order. Hey, you guys can follow me over on Instagram where I share lots about my life over there. Lots of Instagram stories going on throughout the day. It's lindsayhine626. You can also find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We also have a group over there where we read a book together each month. And we also just talk about the show and random things that pop up. People oftentimes recommend guests over there as well, so that's a great place to touch base with me. I'm very active on it. I always respond and just love getting to know you guys a little bit better. That community over there kind of feels like, I don't know, kind of feels like my team. We're like friends and it's just a good place to get to know each other. Alright guys, enjoy your weekend. Have a great Friday and as always, I'll see you next Friday.